0: got some rhythm. You're good. Thanks for helping us find that groove there, Gia. We are going to be looking at a passage of scripture today that I think is going to, I I, I haven't preached on Revelation very many times, and so uh, it's going to be new to me uh, a little bit. I've read Revelation a lot, like the book's not new to me. But preaching on it is new because I usually avoid it just because there's so much teaching that I feel like I have to do to help people understand what is actually happening in the book. But there's this beautiful passage that's found in Revelation chapter 7 uh, that I feel like is perfect for what we're going to be talking about today. So I'm going to read it to you. And if you're a person that follows along with your own Bible, make sure you keep your thumb or something in Revelation chapter 7 so that we can go back at, back and look at it again. And Marianne, I'll just ask you to leave the scripture up on the screen so that as I'm talking about it, it will be there as well. So this is Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. And if you know anything about the book of Revelation, this is where John, the revelator, who had been... Uh, um, cast aside, been pushed out onto the island of Patmos because he would not stop preaching about Jesus. And he has this vision about things that are actually happening at the time. This isn't like somebody having a futuristic kind of vision. This is about stuff that was going on at the time. The the the, uh, the Roman Empire, the T-Rex of the time, was dominating everybody and killing everything in their way and and using their power to to kill lots of people and Christians especially, and John would not stop preaching. And so he's cast out and he has this vision about how the world actually was happening at that time. And in the vision, there are all kinds of crazy things. And one of them is that there is a scroll that has seven seals on it. So imagine you know, like medieval times basically, and you would see something rolled up and they they would pour wax onto it and then they would stamp it to seal it. This scroll has seven seals and the seals cannot be broken by any person except for the Lamb of God, who is Jesus. And as Jesus and John's vision breaks each seal open, there's a new thing revealed to John. And what we're about to read is one of those things that is revealed to John about what is happening in that day and is still happening in this day and will happen for all of the days to come. After this, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. They were standing before the throne and before the Lamb, They were robed in white with palm branches in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, singing, Amen blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our god forever and ever amen then one of the elders addressed me saying who are these robed in white and where have they come from i said to him sir you're the one that knows then he said to me these are they who have come out of the great ordeal They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship Him day and night within His temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more. They will thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. May God give us wisdom and courage for interpretation. And may God give us wisdom and courage to apply the truth of Scripture to our lives. I could spend two hours, for sure, on this passage of Scripture, just kind of teaching through some of the ideas that are in it and how they're important to us today, but I'm not going to do that. You're glad, I'm sure. But if you ever want to spend two hours talking about Revelation, I'd love for you to buy me a cup of coffee and we can do that. I'll forget my wallet, Greg. When uh, my family and I lived in Abilene, Texas, we lived on Sales Boulevard, which is kind of right in the middle of town. It's a pretty busy street. It's a, a relatively major thoroughfare, like not the, not the biggest, but it's, it's a, it's, it cuts across town, so there's quite a bit of traffic on it. And I was telling you last week that when we bought that house, people were telling us, like, be ready for Halloween, and we weren't ready, and we soon learned that we would literally have hundreds and hundreds of of trick-or-treaters every Halloween. And it was amazing. Uh, I was thinking about this last night, uh, how like uh, the friend's house that we were at, they're just like there was one little group of trick-or-treaters from the neighborhood, you know, and I don't think there were probably any in the neighborhood that I live in. But last Sunday, sitting here, there were a lot of people wearing costumes, and I remember standing at the back and saying to Kathy, what if this was the real world? Like, what if uh you know like there was some like ringmaster here and wearing their ringmaster clothes, and what if like all of the costumes people were wearing like what if it was some sort of fantasy world where that was real, and this place collected all of the weirdos around and 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 the and I realized it does like you know it collects all of you, but what if you know? What comes to your door on a normal Halloween? ghosts and goblins and skeletons and werewolves and witches and uh, Disney characters and princes and princesses what if What if that was real? What if they all came to our doors? I think it would look a lot like the Book of Revelation, like the stuff that John witnesses and the things that he sees in his mind's eye. I think feels probably a lot like Halloween. It feels like it's Halloween might straight, be straight out of the Bible in some weird, twisted way, I think. Lions and bears and eagles, flashes of lightning, thunder going up and down streets, bloody moons or blue moons like we had last night. then today is Dia de los Muertos, where we remember the dead and what they meant to us. We dance upon the graves knowing that death does not and will not ever have the final and last word. The book of Hebrews talks about this. This passage of scripture. It doesn't talk about it specifically, but whoever wrote the book of Hebrews understood that there's a great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us. I talked about this four weeks ago now, that the people who have died and gone on before us are what we call saints. Those who have died in the faith, we believe as Christians have been raised in the faith as well, and they are now what we would all consider saints. And those of you who are believers, are also considered saints here and now. We are part of the great cloud of witnesses. And what I love about this passage from, from Revelation is that, listen to who all is there. There's a great multitude that no one could count. So many people, so many souls present in this place that John witnesses. Tribes from all peoples and languages standing before the throne of God. And that they are those who have come through the great ordeal that we're living in. This life is what John was calling the great ordeal. And if there's ever been a time in my life or probably in your lives where we recognize uh, things aren't as they ought to be, it would be now. If you had told me 12 months ago ago, that I would be standing in a room with well over half of the chairs missing and that what is left wouldn't even be completely full and that everybody who was here would be wearing some sort of face mask to protect themselves and to protect their neighbors, I, I would have thought you had eaten some moldy bread. The world that we're living in is the great ordeal. And there is real beauty to be found in it. Look around. We get to hear a baby crying, making those cute little baby noises that makes you just want to squeeze them, you know? We get to see one another's eyes shining with life, but it's not as we would want it to be. And even if we weren't wearing these face masks, it's still not as we would want it to be because we have people that we care deeply with who've had cancer diagnoses. We have people that we care deeply about that are having surgery tomorrow morning. That's not how we would want the world to be. But the beauty of All Saints Day, which in some ways is every day, is that it gives us a chance to reset. And remember that this life we're living is temporary, so let's make the most of it. Let's live with the most grace and the most love that we possibly can. And do the best that we can to make this world, as much like that one, As possible. Because when you read through the book of Revelation, what you find out is that heaven and earth collide. And there's a new heaven and a new earth and all of these people that we're reading about and that we lit candles for are there. I remember... St. Paul United Methodist Church in Abilene, Texas at nighttime was the creepiest church I've ever been in. Anybody ever been in a church at night? Like a big church, like a big, big building. Anybody ever feel like that's creepy? It's really strange for some reason. And that church, like the education wing was three stories. The elevator would creak when it would go up. Sometimes it would you'd get stuck in there, so I never wrote it. They had a gymnasium and stuff that were built way off on one end of the city block that the church built up. And I I remember very clearly, John, the, the maintenance guy at that church, telling me, this place is haunted, man. And I was like, okay, John, let's have a real talk. And he goes, no, it's not scary. He goes, it's haunted with the saints of St. Paul. It's haunted with the memories of people and things and events that have happened in the 120 years of this church's existence. And there was something really beautiful about the way he thought about that. He was this old cowboy guy who just kind of was straightforward with everything that he said. And the way that he talked about the fact that the place is haunted not like in ghosts and goblins and scary movie kind of haunted, but haunted with memories. That's what All Saints Day is about. It's about remembering our friends and our relatives who have gone on. It's about remembering the people who somehow their life and maybe just their death affected us in a way that challenged us to grow deeper in our faith, So that we could shine more light in the darkness. We could share more love with the hopeless. We could work for justice. That's what All Saints Day is about. It's not about remembering that people have died. It's about remembering that they live on in our memories. And that they are in that great cloud of witnesses that is cheering us on every single day. It's about remembering that whatever happens on Tuesday, our job doesn't change, Tyrone. Whatever happens on Tuesday, we don't get a pass. Our job is to love people who vote differently than we do. Our job is to not stoop to name calling and thinking people who vote differently and think differently than we do are somehow less human than we are. Our job is to love everyone. And to welcome everyone into this life that we call a life with Christ. That's what All Saints Day is about. It's remembering how our ancestors and our loved ones would say to us, you're missing the point. It's not as important as you think. Do you remember anything about your playground from elementary school? Raise your hand if you remember your elementary school playground. I had a swing. It was my swing. And if anybody beat me to my swing, it would mess recess up. And I thought it was a really important thing. And now we all laugh, like, oh, of course, you had a swing. But the truth of the matter is, I think what we're living in right now, what we think is like vitally important, those in the great cloud of witnesses that have gone on would say to us, oh my gosh. It's like the swing. It's not nearly as important as you thought it was. So this week, whatever happens on Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, who knows when, let's remember the great cloud of witnesses and what they would say is most important. What they would say they learned the moment they transitioned into the next phase of what we call life. And what we somehow recognize as vitally important may not be as important as we think. And our job does not change. Our job is to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. In the name of our Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer.